we are in Galatians chapter 3. And just a little bit of a background, Galatians is, is a letter. It's not really just a book, but it's a letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to all the churches he planted in the region called Galatia, which is present-day Turkey. And the reason why he wrote this letter is because other uh, Jewish Christians were coming along behind them and said, hey, great, congratulations, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there's some things you have to do. You know, and, and just so you know this, Galatians were, were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. But the Jewish Christians were like, well, now that you believe in Jesus, and since Jesus was a Jew, then you need to be like the Jews, and you need to follow the law. You need to study the law, be equipped with the law, and, um, and also you need to be circumcised, which is a big deal, right? And so Paul's like, no, 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 no. That, that, that is not the gospel. The gospel is not based upon works. It's not based upon on duty, but it's based upon a desire. You know, um, many of us today have found Jesus, and we found freedom and grace, only to go back to what Jesus had done, uh, and not to what Jesus had done for us, but what we can do for ourselves. It's so easy to be pulled back into that sort of ritual, religious, legalistic life to where we're, we're gonna make sure, oh, I, I wanna make sure I do this and volunteer for this and make sure I show up to church and, and give and, and all that stuff is great. But if, if you do those things out of, out of duty rather than desire, that's really legalistic and it's a dead life, it's a dead religion. And so we need to focus not on what we can do but what Jesus has done. Not what we can do, but what Jesus has done. We need to focus not on earning God's approval, but simply receiving God's love. Many of us grew up trying to win the approval of our parents, our coaches, teachers, other people in our lives. So we grew up with that, trying to win approval, and we think we need to do the same thing to God. And God's like going, no, 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 no. I love you just the way you are. In fact, I died for you when you were in the, in the filth of, of your dirtiest of dirtiest times. When you, were, when you were having a life just living on your own, not following God, not following me, I was still loving you. You've already got my approval. And so many times we try to win God's approval when, when God's like, hey, I'm already there with you. So week one, we talked about eating from the right tree. As, as we looked at the Garden of Eden, there's two different trees. There's a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And basically, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's following Jesus or following God because, because we want to, which is life, or following Jesus because we have to, knowledge of good and evil. And... Um, Week two, last week, we talked about living the crucified life, about, con about crucifying our passions and desires, and that is, that is what, what Paul gives us. He says, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been crucified with Jesus, not your physical life, but your spiritual life, okay? And so when, when we accept Jesus, we have died to him, but every day we need to make the choice to crucify the flesh, our passions and our desires. We need to crucify that. And basically, it all boils down to this. Don't, don't live life on feelings. Don't live life based on feelings. 
It's like, well, I feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. No, we need to live our life on choices. I will choose this. Why? Because it's in God's word. I don't wanna, I, and, and I want to honor the Lord and I love the Lord. I want to do it because I want to, not because I have to. So we don't need to base our Christian life, our walk on how we feel but are basically your choices. So in chapter three, Paul sort of interrupts this whole discussion and says, let me just make sure you know what the gospel is. Make sure you know what the gospel is. So if you would look in um, Galatians chapter three, verses one through three, and it says this, you foolish Galatians. Oh, don't you love Paul? Now Paul can talk about it because these are the churches he planted. He knows these people, and he might not know everybody because the churches kept growing and growing, but, but the core people, he's like, okay, are you crazy? What are you, what are you thinking? Don't be a fool, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Okay, here it is. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard. In other words, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the Ten Commandments? I'm obeying the Ten Commandments. I'm obeying all of the laws. And because of this, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. Did you, or, or, did you follow by obeying the law? No. Or by believing what you heard? Are you, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, your Christian life started believing on Jesus Christ and the freedom that you have and the grace of following God. But now you have these groups of people coming in and trying to trick you, trying to bewitch you, and, and trying to confuse you to the point to where, well, I've got to follow all these rules and regulations and, and this legalistic side of things. And Paul's like, no, no, no. That's not how we live the life. That is not the gospel at all. You know, all of us have sinned. It only takes one sin for you to be a sinner. One, just one for you to be a sinner. One lie is all it takes. Like it only takes, you know, one murder for someone to be called a murderer. It doesn't take, you know, 10 or 12, 12 or so. It takes one, and you are a murderer. Sin separates us from God who longs to be with us. The Bible says the price you have to pay for your sin is death. So because we have sinned in our life, and we have all sinned, if you have sinned, raise your hand. If you have sinned in your life, yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay? We have all sinned. And so because of that, because of the sin, we have to pay the price, which is death. But if we die for our sins, then we can't get to God because we are dead. That makes sense? If we have to die for our sins, then we continue to be separated from God because death separates us and we can't get to God because we're dead. And so God... Facing this dilemma, he sent Jesus to step in for you and for me to pay the price for our sin. Jesus said, I'll pay your bill. I'll pay your bill. Have you ever been at a, at a restaurant and someone 
paid your bill, or maybe more likely you're, you're driving in, in McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, and you get up there and you, and you receive your order and say, well, the car in front of you paid for your meal. And, or, or maybe you're in a restaurant. Suzanne and I have been at a restaurant before, and, and, um, and the, the waiter came to us, and it's actually a really nice restaurant, came to us and said, someone paid for your bill. We're like, who paid for our bill? You're like looking around, like who could that be, right? Or, or you say, man, I wish I would have brought the kids, right? <laughs> like who paid for your bill? You know, just like the people that paid for your bill, they didn't eat your meal, they didn't, they didn't enjoy it, but Jesus didn't sin, but he paid your bill of sin. He paid that bill of sin, even though he did not sin. And hell is a place where God sends people that he's mad at, right? <laughs> no. Hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. That is such a, a, a common sort of um, mindset in approaching God. Well, God is just sending people to hell. Can I tell you something? He's not. We send ourselves to hell. Hell is not a place where God sends people who he's mad at. Hell is a place where people can pay for their sins. That's what hell is. If we sin, we have to pay for that through death. And hell is a place where we pay for that. Because you sin, because I sin, we, are, we send ourselves to hell because of sin, and we have to pay that by going to hell. But God says, no, I love them too much. They don't need to do that. In fact, hell wasn't even created for them. It was created for Satan and his angels. And so I'm going to step in, and I'm going to give them an opportunity to miss that, to skip that, and I'm going to pay the price. It, it, so it becomes ridiculous for us to rely on what we can do to try to please God or get his approval. Look in verse uh, 10 there in Galatians chapter 3. It says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Curses everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Book of the law, you got Ten Commandments, you got other laws, a Mosaic law, written other parts in the Old Testament. So if we, re if we rely on our religious actions to save us, we are cursed, not by God, but by ourselves. We've got to follow the law. And if we, we mess up on law, if we trip up and we sin, then we are cursed. It's all upon us. It only takes one messing up the law to mess up the whole thing. I love it. James says, James, you don't have to turn there, but James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles on just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? Number one is the law can't be obeyed. The law cannot be obeyed. Because there's no way you and I have the ability on our own strength to obey everything in the law because we're going to trip up. And because we trip up on one thing, then we mess up our lives and we have to 
pay for that. Obviously, Jesus paid the debt. Put it in today's terms. So like if you serve a lot or attend church a lot or, or give a lot or pray a lot, you, I mean, you, you can't do enough. You just, you can't do enough. None of those things will cure your sin. Going to church or, or, or praying or reading your Bible, those things will not cure sin. The law can't change our sin nature. It can't. In our culture, when we do something wrong, we think we can fix it by doing something right. Your kids do this. We do this as adults. When they do something wrong and they know it, even if, they have, even if you don't know as a parent what they've done, if your kids start just really doing something really good and right, you know something is up, right? Kids, we've got you pegged. And so it's human nature for us to want to sort of Replace that by doing good things. Many people believe in a sort of 51% heaven when the good things just barely outweigh the bad things. Well, I, I, did, I did just a little bit more of the good than I did the bad. <laughs> that is the wrong gospel. Paul asked this question in, in Galatians 3, back to Galatians 3, verse 19. Verse 19, why then was the law given at all? That's a really good question. Why was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, capital S, talking about Jesus, until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. So it's a great question. If God knew that no one could obey the law, then why did he give it? Why did he give those ten commandments? That's a good question. It's a very important question. Why is there even an Old Testament? Well, I believe, I believe he wanted to create the frustration and the realization that we can't do it on our own abilities. It would cause us to go looking for somewhere for the answer. God's like, okay, you, you want to have communion with me? You want to be right with me? All right, here, here's 10. Let's just start with 10. 10 commandments. Here you go. God knew. God knew we didn't have the abilities to live a life on our own. Oh, we could, we could do that. Okay, we'll obey these Ten Commandments. And by the end of sunset, that day when, when Moses brought down the Ten Commandments and the tablets, I mean, I, I'm sure there were many people who have already broken several of those. Why? Because we are all sinners. We're all sinners. You're in good company. If you've done some bad things, if you're a sinner, guess what? You are in good company here at church or you're watching or listening online. And so he wanted to show people, look, you can't do this on your own. You need a savior. You need freedom from this. So he says this in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 through 25. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that, now, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian um, to this. So, so in other words, the law doesn't tell us what to do. Something inside us has to change. So what Paul is saying is this. The law wasn't there to tell us what to do. We'd had to obey the law. 
But because of the New Testament and the new way, and Jesus came in the Holy Spirit, guess what? You and I had the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide us and to show us what to do if we have accepted Christ as Savior and have chosen him to be Lord of our life. The law doesn't do that. Not only just the old law in the Old Testament, but even your own actions, our own good religious works. It, it doesn't tell us what to do. The Spirit, the Spirit guides us and the Spirit helps us and, and we walk in desire, not duty. So the law can't be obeyed, but the law can lead us to Christ. The law does lead us to Christ. So this, this message is for those who have been trying to do good things because you had to please God only to find out you really aren't a different person. Maybe you try to please God, you try to be a good person by doing good things. So what happened? You're following the wrong gospel. You're following the wrong gospel. You were supposed to go to Jesus first. When you, when you do it the right way, a miracle takes place in your life. You would think that doing all these, these, these sort of religious things to make yourself sort of right with God and, and, and win his approval will help you be more godly, but really it doesn't. It doesn't really help us be more godly. But when you, and when you go not to the rules but to the person, a miracle happens inside us. If anyone, is in, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Things happen on the inside. So the Christian life is not based on learned behavior. Let me repeat that. The Christian life is not based upon learned behavior, but a transformation by a Savior. It's not based on learned behavior. It's based on a transformation. Not behavior but a transformation. Christianity doesn't, does not ask you to do right. It wants you to make, it wants to make you right. Christianity does, doesn't ask you to do things right. It wants to make you right. That is a big difference. That is a different approach. It's, it's not about, it, it is about a, a transformation, not a transaction. These are all sort of Little statements you can take with you. It's not about a, I mean, it's about a transformation, not a transaction. It's about the Holy Spirit coming inside of you, making a transformation inside of you, not a transaction of you doing something good in order to get right with God. Do you understand that? Shake your head yes if you do. It's, not a, it's, it's about transformation, not a transaction. Transformation, not a transaction. So everything we're talking about today defines grace. I don't want you to just know about grace. I want you to experience grace. And guess what? Earth is the only place you will experience grace. You won't experience grace in hell because you decided to pay for your own sins. Okay? I talked about that earlier. You will not experience grace in hell because you decided to pay for your own sins by going to hell. You won't experience grace in, in heaven because heaven, because those who are in heaven, we can't comprehend sin. When we're in heaven, we, we can't comprehend sin. 
It's not there. And so because we can't comprehend sin, then there's no reason to comprehend grace. Our time in heaven is just praising the Lord Jesus and and fellowshipping and doing all kinds of great things and and having a great banqueting table. And and it's it's amazing what we are going to experience in heaven. But one of the things we're not going to understand is we're not going to understand sin. It's going to go back to the, to the original plan, God's plan A, which was, which was in the Garden of Eden and the tree of life. Guess what? In, hell, in heaven, there's no tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's only the tree of life. It's only the tree of life, giving life. And so if you want to experience grace, now is your time. Today is your day. And, and, and even though you've accepted Jesus Christ or those you have done so, you can experience grace every day of your life. Go to him and simply say, I'm sorry for the things I've done. Please forgive me. Help me to walk in your grace. So what is grace? Let me just do five quick things and we're done. Quite five quick things that define grace. And grace, it's an acrostic, okay? And it spells out Grace. Right, so I got. I, I didn't make this up. This is actually from uh, from uh, Pastor Rick Warren there in Saddleback Church in um, in California. Uh, this has kind of been around uh, for a while, but it's a and it's an acrostic that spells out grace. Number one, grace is a free gift. Gift, we can't earn it. You know, some people say, well, you know, back in the old day, you know, we made money the the, the old good old fashioned way. We earned it. We earned that money. Some people are going to church, and you may have been to these churches. Well, we have religion the old-fashioned way. We earn it. <laughs> no, that's, that's a religious way of doing things. You can't earn that relationship. Okay, Jesus came here to stay. I have something you can't possibly earn on your own. It is a gift. We even see this in Romans um, 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, it is a free gift. You can't earn it, okay? When you receive a birthday gift, you don't earn that. You had nothing to do with that. You just didn't, okay? You were born. God had everything to do with that. And you receive a gift. You didn't earn that, but you just received it, okay? So, um, so grace is a free gift. Number two, grace is received by faith, R, received by faith. Faith is, not, faith is not something, I mean, it's, it's not what you believe in. It, it, it's what you trust in or who you trust in. It's not a belief. It's a trust. I want to make sure you understand that. Faith is not about belief. It's about trusting. And there, that's, that's a big difference on that. You know, you... Christianity is not a belief system. You may believe in Jesus, but so does the devil. The devil believes in Jesus. And last time I checked, the devil's not a Christian. <laughs> we, we place our trust in Jesus, not just our belief. Now, the Bible says, those who believe on him shall be saved. But there's an act of, of faith, of walking and stepping over that line uh, of, of trust and say, I trust you, Lord Jesus. You receive that by faith. 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not for yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Maybe people sitting here are watching online that, you know, you may not have stepped across that line of, of, of faith. And that's fine. You're welcome here. But you will never experience grace without stepping over the line of faith or, or trust. That's how you receive grace. When you finally said, you know, I've had enough. I may not fully understand, but when, when you step across that line and you trust in Jesus Christ, a miracle takes place inside of you and something starts to change on the inside. And that is a life. That is a tree of life. So grace is a free gift. Grace is received. There's your R. A. A is available. Grace is available to everyone. Everyone. I don't care what your background is. Grace is free to everyone. That's why at Lake Point Church, our strategy is belong, believe, become. I don't care if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to come and, and sit here and be a part of our, you know, be a part of our church. Now, there are certain things you can't do. We're not going to let you teach children or, 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 or youth or, or teach an adult Bible study because you don't really have that knowledge. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside you. But, but we want you to belong. We want you to, to, to be a part of what God is doing here. And there are lots of other things you can do. But we want you to feel like you're here and you belong. And grace is available for everyone I love this in Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So everyone is welcome, but everyone also needs to call upon the name of the Lord. <laughs> now, just because you're living a certain life and you call upon the name of the Lord and it's available to you, okay, but when you call upon the Lord Jesus, you're, something changes in you, and you start your life starts lining up with God's Word and the Holy Spirit. You can't just say, "Oh, I believe in I believe in Jesus," and you and you never accept that free gift. You're not really saved if you believe in Jesus. You're saved when you step across that line of faith and trust in Him and give Him your heart and say, "I surrender, Jesus, you." are my Savior. I need you as my Savior. And so grace is a free gift. It's received. You receive it. You can't earn it. Okay? And uh, it's available to everyone. Available. Widespread. And then C, grace comes only through Christ. Jesus is the only way to God. You may think that is narrow-minded of me to say that, but Jesus was the only one who ever dealt with the problem. <laughs> Jesus was the only one in history who ever dealt with the sin problem, and, and he defeated it, and he took care of it, literally put it on his body and died, and then rose again. Other religions tell you what you need to do. Jesus saw the problem, so he lived the perfect life, which qualified him to pay the price and died for our sin. He's the only person that's ever dealt with the problem. Look at, here's a, just a few verses I'm just going to quickly touch on. John 1:17. for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Law given through Moses by God, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
John uh, 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. By which we must be saved. Now you may think, well, Frank, I'm not, I'm not really following other religions. Now I may not choose Jesus I may not have, have stepped over that sort of line of, of faith and trusted my heart with him and, and given my heart to him and waved, the, waved the, the white flag of surrender, but I don't follow other religions. Can I tell you something? If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus or if you're not following other religions, you are following a religion. You are following someone, and that someone is yourself. That someone is yourself. Because you know what? You and I were created to worship something. You and I were created to follow something. We're all sheep, every single one of us. We're gonna follow. I mean, my goodness, look at social media. Look at, look at I mean, you see it all over the place in our culture. We're gonna follow something. So if you don't follow Jesus and you don't follow other religions, you're just following yourself. You're following Yourself. And you tell yourself what to do. And you could do that for a certain amount of time, but eventually you're going to realize, man, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. Or I'm just, I'm making a mess of it. Or there's going to be such a huge void in your heart and your soul that something, something is missing. Now, something is Jesus. And last but not least, grace is for eternity. What that means is this. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your past sins, the sins you committed today, and the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. All of it. He died for all of it. It stretches across eternity. He died for all sins, every single one of them. So grace is a gift. You receive it. You don't earn it. It's available for everyone. It's only by Christ that you receive grace, not by your works, and it will cover an eternity of sin, all of your sin and all of mankind. So you may think that all this grace talk allows you to live however you want. Actually, it, it, it really doesn't because grace doesn't really let you off the hook. Grace doesn't really let you off the hook. The, um, I'm still not sure about that. Siri is wondering what I'm talking about. Maybe Siri needs to accept Christ as Savior. <laughs> so grace doesn't let you off the hook. But grace does this. Grace changes your motivation for what you do. Grace changes your motivation to what you do and why you do it. The bottom line is this. I don't want you to try and change yourself through your own efforts. I want you to try and change yourself through your own efforts. Now, I love, I love you coming to church. I love the fact that if you read God's word and you pray and, and you serve and all those things, it's great. 
And you say, well, I, I guess you're telling us we don't need to do all this. No, no, no. If you're a church, I hope you're here because you want to be here. Not because you have to be here. Now, there are, I know there are times when people who they can't come to church because maybe they, they feel sick, you know, or there's something going on in the family. We, gosh, we, we totally get that. A large family, absolutely. We understand that as a large family. And, and things happen. But when you come to church, I hope and I pray it is because you desire to come to church, not because you have to. When you sit down and read God's word, it's not something that you, that, that you just have to, but you desire to. Oh, well, I guess I better read God's word if I'm going to be a Christian. That's not the way. That's not the way we do that. I love this in Titus as I close. Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God, there it is. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Look at this, verse 12. It teaches us. So grace teaches us. It teaches us to say what? No to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and guided lives in this present age. It changes you on the inside. It teaches you. Grace does. The Holy Spirit does. It doesn't condemn you. Oh, you're not a Christian. You can't be a Christian. You don't even read the Bible. That's not grace. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's a different voice. And so my encouragement to you, do things out of love for God. And, and I love this definition of grace. Grace is when, when what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. When what you ought to do becomes what you want to do, you know you're living life with grace. And freedom. And that's really what this is about. That's what Paul was trying to tell the Galatians. And Paul's telling you that today, telling us today through the Holy Spirit, because God's word is active and alive. So every head bowed, every eye closed as we as we close out this service. I want to, I just want to make sure you, I've given you an opportunity to accept this grace. You may have heard some words and phrases here today, and you may have, you, you may be sitting here or watching or listening online, and, and you feel like, well, I, I don't think I've really have stepped across that line of faith, of trust. I may believe in Jesus, I believe in God, but I have not really trusted in him with my life. If that is you, and you're ready to do that, you could do that right here, right now. You can say a prayer right where you're at. Say, dear God, I believe you, but I'm ready to trust in you. I'm ready to give you my life. I'm ready to wave the white flag for you, to surrender all that I am. Please cleanse me of my sin and be my Savior, Lord Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you've already done that, just maybe you need to confess times when you've, you've gone back to the way of just 
their religious actions to try to win the approval of God. Maybe you just need to say, I accept your love. I accept your grace. I receive your grace, oh God. I receive what you had for me. Forgive me for the times I'm making it about myself when I should be making it about you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I'll leave you with this phrase. When what you ought to do becomes what you want to do, you know you're living like you should. Um, as a reminder, next week, if you come here at 11, we won't be here. Um, but 5 o'clock, make sure you're here. Invite some friends. Invite some family members. We're bringing in some extra chairs. If you have not yet reserved to let us know you're coming, because we're having to bring in some extra chairs and stuff, we'd love for you to let us know you're coming. And so you can... Um, you can go to uh, lakepointonline.com forward slash 10-year, the number 10, then year, or you can text that 10-year uh, to that number, uh, that 1-800 number um, and, um, that we said earlier, or you just go to our website, go to events, and you can sign up that way. But just let us know um, you're coming, and, um, and just can't wait. It's going to be a great celebration. And my, goal, uh, my hope and prayer for you today is that you will live a life of freedom and do the things, not because you have to, because you want to. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.